Hey there, Quack 12 fans. This week we're doing something a little bit different. We're pulling back the paywall with a Patreon preview. For those not in the know, the Quack 12 podcast has a Patreon, which for a measly $5, you can access weekly content, some of it as serious as our roster reviews, some of it much more, well, hopefully comedic. We think it's comedic. We think it's funny, including our Quack in Time series in which my co-host Aaron and I got into a time machine, went to 1894, got stuck, and every single year reviewed that season of Oregon Duck football. We've got old newspaper clips. We have to live in the time period. It's kind of terrible, but hopefully it's a good listen. Um, And so this week, we will do a little preview of the 1947 season, an interesting season, and uh, we'll see what those Quack 12 boys are up to. If you hate it, don't worry. In a couple of weeks, we'll go back to our normal format, start covering University of Oregon athletic news, football games, basketball previews, everything you could want. But if you like it, remember... The Quack 12 Podcast Patreon is where you can access more of this. And it's thanks to listeners like you that we can make this podcast free, weekly, and fun. All right, now to 1947. Quack. The year is 1947. The Quack 12 boys are making huge changes for the Oregon football team, including a handshake deal with a very famous Mouseketeer. 1947. Uh. It's feeling like heaven, Aaron. Baby doll. Am I right? You know, uh, it feels like, well, it feels like the billion dollars we got in the bank account, if I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing mm-hmm. like being back on top. And we're now that we're like confluting with uh, some pretty hoity-toities. Yeah, It's looking right. pretty good for us in the long run. We're supplying booze to the rich and famous. Um, prohibition, as we all know, it is over. And I mean, it's been over for a little while now, but yeah. it, we're really going for the the high ass clientele. You know what I mean? We're going for the Look, the elite of Eugene, Oregon, which is still pretty bumpkin to tell you. Yeah, the truth. it's interesting uh, because when we sold the Blackberry wine to Pepsi all those years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. what is amazing was whenever we figured out that we actually had the amount of sugar that you add wrong in the recipe. That's right. So That's right. I was like, oh, shit, this is the wrong recipe. We actually still have the rights to the original. And then, uh, you know, just over the year, just like sending that out to everybody, it's really it's really caught on in a, in a big, hot way. And the I, I think we're going to have to go to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, (laughs) baby. And not just to watch USC, Oregon. 
But uh, to actually get down there and make some changes. Yeah, I figure if Speaking we got a game down there uh, in 48, we should, uh, we should definitely have some meetings. Absolutely. I'll all set those up. Um, Aaron, speking of changes, huge changes to the University of Oregon. First of all, we got a new football coach. Right. Not only that, we got our first AD. First AD in program history. That is right. We got a new athletic director who then went on to hire our new coach, Jim Aiken. These two, uh, well, our our, uh, AD is Leo Harris hired Jim Aiken. Both of them really kind of met and got their winning ways um, in Reno Mm. because uh, the University of Nevada is a place where they were both at at a certain point. And um, this is huge, man. He's making some rapid changes here. Jim Aiken, actually he coached uh, McKinley High School of Canton, Ohio in the 30s. Uh, had three or four games uh, against future NFL legend Paul Brown's squad and uh, in a rivalry older than the Rose Bowl even. So there's some wow. high school rivalries here. He was a Washington and Jefferson University graduate and he's a member of the President's 1922 Rose Bowl team which held Cal, held Cal to a scoreless tie. Um We'll get into Cal next episode, especially some some uh, bullshit going on there. But I digress. <laughs> so yeah, Harris and Aiken, huge additions. There, you know, there uh, no longer is this program funded by the students. Uh, they have much less of a say. You know, it's not going coming straight from the student unions or anything. I mean, ticket prices is how we're making our money. So this, in a way, the students are still financing it. But what this all came down to is suddenly the success of the program is directly tied to how financially feasible it is to have a football team, which means we need to get good, brother. We need to be good now. Yeah. Aiken, he's bringing in that new... That new, uh, uh, the new T formation. I feel like every other episode we're talking about bringing in a T formation episode, and it's always a new thing. But uh, when football has like five different things you can do this early on, I guess the T formation is a huge deal. It it's so much more focus on an actual passing quarterback than our previous coach was, and uh, you'll see why. Uh, more than Tex Oliver, you know, rest in peace. I think he's dead. Who knows? I think he returned back to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I once forget we, what happens canonically. Well, we <laughs> reanimated him, but I'm pretty That's sure right. after we were done with him in that reanimation, he just kind of, you know, did one of those like uh, ar- uh, Swiss Army Man things. Just blah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, everybody knows what we that fired means. him. Yeah, the moment we fired him. I mean, this is a huge year. We even got like the. The Norman Van Brocklin. It's AKA fucking amazing. The Flying Dutchman. It is the fucking amazing. The Flying Dutchman's on the team. Like, come on, baby. Um, many people, uh, many famous ducks on this one. This will end up being a big moment in history. But I'll tell you this, listeners. Not only did they hire a new AD, a new coach, but they got people, a.k.a. the CEOs of Quackin' Time... Of uh, of uh, Huckleberry Wine or whatever the hell you call it, Aaron and I are in charge of a lot of business decisions here, including our number one goal was getting a new mascot, right? 
Because we had puddles. We had a live duck. We did that all the time. Eventually, you know, uh, the 1947 equivalent of PETA came in and kind of stopped that, unfortunately, just because too many ducks died. Because puddles one through four died, and apparently that was too much. Whatever. Um, (laughs) So we needed a duck. We needed a new duck mascot. And Aaron and I put our heads together and we're like, who is going to draw us this thing? Who is on the, on the cutting edge of, of, of cartoons? None else but Walt Disney himself would suffice. And I'm going to tell you right now, dude. Mm-hmm. Talk about cutting edge. I... I mean, because obviously we know so much about what happens with this Disney thing that's going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, But whenever I watched other people here in Eugene watch one of his cartoons, Mm -hmm. one man pissed himself. And one lady started just screaming, Satan is on the screen. And that was during Steamboat Willie. Like Brother. it make it it blows their fucking minds yes. when they see this shit. Yes. <laughs> These simpletons. Yeah. Here. But but we knew he was gonna be big. And so we started big in our negotiations. We tried to get the the whole package, you know, try to own all of Disney. That obviously didn't work out well. Um he was pretty edgy, I'll tell you that. Uh pretty uh fluid with the slurs and such. <laughs> we calmed him down. <laughs> He calmed him down, gave him a few drinks. He gave us some of his speed. Neither of us could handle it. Uh, these are historical facts, by the way. He loved his speed. Um, smoking cigarettes, crushing cigarettes. Like, no. Have you ever seen anyone with 10 cigarettes in their mouth before? No. At the same time? No. I hadn't either. That, that blew my mind. That, that really blew my mind. So we go all, we're trying to get everything, you know. Well, you know what? Actually, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. It was you. Whenever you oh, were whoa. on one of, the, I don't want to bring <laughs> it up because right. it was well over twenty <laughs> years ago. But you went I on. You're a, right. You went on a deep, deep, deep bender, and uh, <laughs> I think we have done that before. That's so funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess he picked it up from me. I don't know. Yeah, but shit. so so we were having a pretty good time. You know, he learned it from watching you. I learned it from you. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. We we tried to get all of his stuff. Yeah, it didn't work. He actually is a pretty shrewd businessman. We should have known that. We played some horse polo with him, his favorite game. Again, these are all historical facts. Look it up. But then it came down to the actual deal. You know, we went big just so we can really whittle down. We want the rights to your Donald Duck. We need the image to the Donald Duck. We want to put him in an Oregon jersey, and we want to give him a little Oregon sailor hat as is the way for mascots in the 40s, post-war, all right? We're still obsessed with the shit. We just beat the Nazis. We just gave them what for. Aaron personally scalped uh, dead Hitler. Yeah. And we were bloodthirsty, right? And with this handshake deal, we did, in fact, get the rights to Donald Duck, a.k.a. now he's the duck, when he's, you know, when he's going to college here, we just call him the duck, but we all know he's Donald Duck. Right. And then at the last minute, and I think this is going to be really lucrative for us, Aaron. I think it's going to be really lucrative. I said, oh, yeah, and also if you ever make some kind of movie based off of 
an X-Men of sorts. I think we should own the rights to that. And he said, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I like the cut of your jib. And he gave us the rights to any future X-Men movie. Amazing. I think that's going to pay off in the end. I almost got (laughs) Spider-Man in there, but I remembered it was Sony and that Disney was actually renting Spider-Man rights from Sony, so I didn't throw that in there. I think, I believe X-Men is Marvel. I think that's going to be lucrative for us at the end. At least we're going to meet Hugh Jackman when we're like 100 years old. Well, fun fact for you, Adam. Mm -hmm. While we were hanging out with Walt, Mm -hmm. I did a little sneaky sneaky. And as... Uh, as you know, but I don't think the listener is aware, there was a time when I decided to write screenplays of my favorite movies to cash in on them. Yeah. And so I went ahead and I hid a script of the Goonies on mm. the ship in the mm. Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Mm. And I'm just going to let it sit there and maybe somebody will find it and make it. Aaron, um, again, this may be the speed that kind of influenced your thinking of this time. Yeah. In 1947, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride did not exist. I think you just put that on a ship. Fuck. I think that is possible with you some know, pirates, actually. Yeah. 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 You know, when you're in Florida, it's really easy to get cocaine. <laughs> that is so, so. true, my bad. <laughs> so, that uh, is so damn true. That I is blame so the coca true. leaf. <laughs> mm. I did also tell him he should sneak in um, weird sexual imagery in some of his earlier cartoons. Uh huh. So hopefully that works out. And I told him, Lion oh. King, it's going to be big. I peppered that in. And look, this is one man's perspective here, and I do not mm-hmm. speak for any other person when I say this, period. Mm-hmm. This is solely my opinion, and I have no yes. other facts about it, <laughs> which is that Walt Disney's big old perv. He's a perf. It's true. It's true. Um, Yeah, we don't have to get too into it, but let's just say uh, Aaron, because we were partying. We were at a frat party, you know, celebrating the things. He was wearing a toga. Aaron bends over to pick up a beer while Disney got an upskirt, and that, that was the last we really saw. That was too much for us. It's too pervy. That was, you know what? We really got to start talking about the football season. We should probably start talking about the football team. That's right. 1947 Oregon football. Sometimes I think about the people that click on this going like, oh, I'd like to learn about 1947 Oregon football. 13 well, minutes look, in, we're talking about upskirts. I mean, one, and we'll get into this later uh, when we get to the ad, but, you know, the studio business <laughs> the studio business has been booming lately, oh, and yeah. we're having a lot of fun up here. Fuck, 1947 I I is great for, Yeah, 1947 oh, we're is in great. Because we're, we're in the baby business. And, ba- <laughs> and baby business is booming. It's booming. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also have that going. We, we got so many... Irons in so many fires. Yeah, that, honestly, it's a hazard. So let's just get into 1947. All right, let's football. get into it, baby. Started off against Montana State, the great Montana State, where Dakota Prukop will one day play and then transfer to Oregon and fuck our shit up. But that is many years in the future. Against Montana State, the very first game that our new coach, Jamaican, 
<laughs> it sounds like Jamaican. <laughs> I literally thought that's what you said. Yeah, I never thought about that way. I'm just double checking. Yeah, is it, I mean, his name's Jamaican. That's funny. Jim Aiken. Jamaican. That's not racist, is it? <laughs> I don't Patreon, know. So. I mean, I feel Webfoots like... Webfoots get a scare, yeah. but win inaugural here for Aiken. 27 to 14. Aiken for a win. So, um, boom, we get the first one, which which is a pretty crucial one. Uh, you, you want that first win. You want to go off on the on right foot. And uh, then came, uh-oh. Well, no, no. I actually, so I don't really have a paper recapping that, but I thought was more interesting is I have this article of the time. Oh, shit. A Texas scout thinks Webfoots look real good is the name of the article. Pervert. A f- <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, he was hiding under the stands with yeah. the camera, yeah. creepily taking pictures of the football field. Um, a fire started in the press box underneath the feet of publicity man Art Lichman. Late in the third period, from then on, the Oregon drum beater and the Oregon point makers... We're all hot. The mongrel, brown, brown wire-haired, who insisted in defying the 200-pound-plus linemen all afternoon, had more of a workout than the 60-minute men. When they dragged him off the field for the 13th time, he was willing. When first interviewed after the game, Jim Aiken, Jamaican, said he was too relieved to say anything, but he had nothing but praise for the manner in which the boys came back. Jack Gray, Texas scout and basketball coach for the Longhorns, said, Oregon looked good, and Texas will be in here for a lot of trouble next week. Ha! We've got, we've got to stop liked. You remember liked? The name I have such a hard time saying. Liked from last year. Somehow, yeah. he's dynamite. Look for a good game. Mm. There, that was after he had heard that his team had walloped Texas Tech 33-0. to so Texas is still a dang good team. I mean, we're only a few years off from them just come from Dana X Bible completely embarrassing right. and humiliating. Basically the same word, but I'll use both. Uh, our good man, Tex Oliver, who is now uh, dead in the ground. Then came the Texas game in front of 30,000. I believe this is in Portland. Many of our games were played in Portland this season. Against Texas... We lose. We lose big. But as as is said in this uh, Eugene guard, there was still hope. There was still some some good to be taken out of this. Oregon loses, but gallantly, thirty eight huh. to thirteen. That's that's a pretty big loss. Yeah, to say gallantly. I, yeah. I There's mean, a lot of green and yellow tinted glasses uh, here. I'd say that. Yeah, having having been there at the game. Hmm. I'm not for sure I would call it a gallant performance, but let's hear what this does. There, is there more to what this guy is? Is he going to oh, break yeah, there's down more. why he believes that? Well, not only that, but we were a little distracted because we were making sure Walt Disney didn't just completely fucking embarrass himself. He was off his damn rocker oh my God. in this one. Dude. Like, he, he, we, we shot down, like, three new cartoony ideas. He said that I was like, dude, that is not going to age well. Like, trust when, me, man. Yeah. You, when... When he started trying to do his uh, magic uh, tricks, yeah. I was like, Walt, 
Slow down, dude. <laughs> I know. He whipped out his gun. He was like, watch me pull a magic uh, hole in, in like, Aaron's head. I'm like, gonna okay. I'm gonna catch a bullet with my teeth. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we had to wrestle it away from him. So there was a lot we were distracted. Texas finds different team from that of 41. Texas long horde speed plus sweltering heat that was typically Texas proved too much for a gallant rockin' sockin' Oregon football team hmm. before an overflow crowd of more than 30,000 fans here Saturday afternoon. But the Webfoots did what they promised. They gave the Longhorns a hell of a ball game, despite the final 38-13 score. The spirited brand of football played by coach Jim Aiken, Jim Aiken's team, was a far cry from the Austin debacle in 1941 yeah. when the yeah. Longhorns humbled another Oregon team, 71-7. Yeah. to yeah. For more than 15 minutes of this biggest intersectional grid classic in the Northwest this season, Oregon not only held coach Blair Cherry, that's a fun name, Blair Cherry's speed merchants in check, but outplayed them. But two costly fumbles in the opening minutes of the second quarter gave the Longhorns breaks that cracked the contest wide open. Mm. Still, you know, Webfoots can't be denied. I, I like to hear that there was still some optimism. And then... We played old Jamaicans, old team, in Nevada. That is right. We played Nevada next. Uh, Dick Strite writes this article as well, which which scared me on first viewing, but is uh, PC. <laughs> uh, it says, "Them gritters from Reno get revenge." Thirteen to six. Our Webfoots didn't have the old punch. A rough and tough gang of gritters from Reno, divorced at the end of last season by Oregon's Jamaican. Oh, what? Trek. <laughs> uh, gritters. You keep saying it, and it seems wrong. I don't like it either, but it's actually. <laughs> it's what I it believe he means by playing on the football grid. They called, you know, the field grid because of the lines. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not getting canceled. Every time I say it, it does seem a little, little off, but uh, I think we should be safe. Um, divorce at the end of last season by Oregon's Jim Aiken trekked into Eugene Saturday and collected their alimony. <laughs> into the tune uh, to the tune of a 13 to 6 I know it's so fun so colorful yeah. to the tune of a 13 to 6 University of Nevada football victory over the University of Oregon Gene Isle Jim's new love a strapping and talented family of footballers failed to catch the spark of desire they played listlessly against a wolf pack that came here to spank their old man for the jilting he gave them wow to spank their old man Collecting alimony. Yeah, this collecting dude just alimony got divorced. Doctor Freud. Yeah, this lady just. This himself. dude just got divorced by a strong lady who was sick of his shit. Yeah. So let's see if he name drops mm -hmm. his ex or something like that. Uh -huh. uh, well, well, that that's the the gist of that, really. Um, so we lose to Nevada. We're still losing. There's still some surprise optimism. Then comes the last loss of the season. Right. So, hey, that's, I, I believe so. Let me double check. Yes, the last loss of the season. Spoiler yeah. alert. But um, against UCLA, again, pretty decent team. Came the next one, uh, once again, written by Dick Strite. Oregon shines despite a 24-7 loss to UCLA. I don't, he's a little too rosy yes. in all these. Am I yeah. right? 
Well, he's a bit back and forth. He's a little like, well, I'm going to use nice words to really pass off some pretty brutal language. Collecting yeah. out. I mean, we yeah. are paying him off. Perhaps that's a little bit, but I didn't want him to be this rosy, you know? Yeah. God damn, I mean, when we lose three in a row. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. Or he's a real shines. gonzo, this guy. <laughs> no joke. Um, <laughs> I just read uh, a little thing from Seattle in our Eugene paper. An unexplained run on nylons through hundreds of women to stocking counters in downtown department store Saturday. So that's fun. Anyways, huh. ducks show zip, but Bruins have too much. The defending Pacific Coast Conference champion, University of California at Los Angeles, sparked by that one-point reversal last week at the hands of Northwestern, roared over an underdog Oregon team before 43,000 spectators here Saturday afternoon. That score was 24-7. The game was the 1947 conference debut for both teams. The Webfoots, who displayed a brand of play that duplicated the Texas exhibition in Portland two weeks ago, would not give up. Twice in the final minutes of play, Oregon moved within the Bruins' 20-yard line. The Ducks also had one another... Uh, had one other good scoring opportunity, and even in defeat, were a credit to their backers. Coach Jamaican came to this make-believe town 25 years ago as an end on a Washington and Jefferson College team that played one of California's Wunder teams to a 0-0 tie in the Rose Bowl. Jim had hoped to repeat this time, but Coach Burt... Uh, Coach Bert Labrucheri had too many guns. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes, indeed. That's right. So Washington Jefferson actually did play that famous California team with Jim Aiken as their coach. So it's, it's interesting that he does have so many ties to Oregon's ha- uh, history, even though he, you know, didn't live in the state at the time. Yeah. Um, and we partied hard. We were down in L.A. for this. So, yeah. you know, we were back with our friend Disney. I'll tell you this, though. Motherfucker cold-shouldered us so hard. I'm not sure if he doesn't, if he actually doesn't remember us because of how high he was during this uh, handshake deal and partying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if he was just being all Hollywood. But he, motherfucker, acted like he didn't even know us. Yeah. Well, uh, you know... Yeah, he sucks. The fact of the he matter sucks. is, I think he didn't like us because we weren't 12-year-old girls. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a, a pervert. Guy. He's a pervert. We're sending it. I mean, we can't get sued because we're saying this in 1947. That's right. So just remember that. And we're saying it without any basis. So Without any basis. Yeah. This <laughs> is a complete fabricated lie. So. Yes, exactly. And this is a parody podcast. Exactly. So there's that, too. Just Fourth wall. That. Uh-oh. Um, also, we got lawyers too, motherfucker. So yeah. bring it on. Come at us. Yeah. Don't, don't. <laughs> Please don't. Please, God. We will lose. Please no. Um, uh, Oregon. I like this one. See, Dick <coughs> Strite is finally. He's super into this one, and yep. we win. It's a good combination. Oregon is great. Is the name of this article? <laughs> Six zero over Huskies. Oregon is great. Twenty four. <laughs> 24,000 Sea Ducks get three scores, yet have two of them called back. God damn it. This is in Multnomah. It's Multnomah Stadium. Yeah. Uh, home of the Cowards, Multnomah Athletic Club. That's right. The finest University of Oregon football team since the days of Mike Mc- 
Kulak and company. Don't honestly don't remember them. I know we've covered them, but that's a lot of drugs ago. And that was nearly 15 years ago. Oh, there you go. Defeated mighty Washington 6-0 before 24,000 spectators here Saturday afternoon Amazing. on a rain-soaked turf and muddy gridiron. Big ol' yawn. Jake liked, after making a sensational catch on one of Norm Van Brocklin's pass in the five-yard line, went over on a cutback through his right tackle on the next play for the only legal touchdown. At the time, there was only one minute, 30 seconds remaining in the third quarter. The Webfoots, who hadn't beaten the Huskies here since Jimmy Nicholson's field goal manufactured a 3-0 triumph in 1938, ran for one and passed for another touchdown in the first period, but alleged penalties nullified both scores. Coach Jim Aiken's fight in Oregon's displaying a versatile attack in a defense that amazed the experts, completely outpaged, outplayed Coach Pest Welch's heavily favored Washingtonians. The Huskies penetrated the Oregon 40-yard line only once during the contest, which was played almost entirely in Washington territory. Hell yeah, we beat the shit out of them. We had not done that in a while. So we are we are back in the good graces of Oregon fandom. If you beat the Huskies, that's a huge step forward. Yep. Uh, I'll read one more here, but then Aaron, I do believe we have a commercial. But first, let's talk about this one. We went against the Dons, a.k.a. San Francisco. This is a rivalry that is basically dead in Oregon uh, sports nowadays, in, in the future, in the, you know, 50 years from now, it's dead. But before then, we actually had a trophy we played for that was very competitive. They won mm-hmm. the majority of it. The Governor's Trophy. Right. Um, I don't know where this thing is. I'd love to see it. But the Governor's Trophy, that is right. We beat the Gales this time. I believe the Gales, the Dons, they're known as both. 13-7. to seven. Um, Actually, Wilkins caught two Van Brocklin passes. Uh, the last with 120 left. And I just want to say about Van Brocklin, like, he really opened up this game. He completely changed uh, just our entire uh, offense. Just yeah. the fact that we're, we're a much more pass-heavy offense. Um, he, he barely had to run. I think, like, two of his only runs were just kind of scrambling out of the pocket. So just a very different dynamic. And um, not only that, so just just to dive into specifically him, he came here because his teammates, um, Robert Owas and George Bell, they played high school together in Ackland's High School, so he wanted to follow them. And he told the Eugene Emerald that he'd come to Eugene because Bell was happier than a dead pig in the sun up here. Dear God. Does not make sense to me, that expression. Uh, dead pig in the sun, I would think, would have a horrifying expression tattooed on its face, but whatever. Um, also, when he was asked why no California, recru- recru- no California school recruited him, he said, I guess they figured I was a better baseball bet as a pitcher than a football prospect. But because of that is why we wanted him so bad, is because he can throw those balls so accurately and highly, so it was hard to pick. And uh, Aiken said, here was a kid who could hit an N in the air, uh, in the ear, cutting crosswise at 50 yards. He threw the ball high and hard, very tough to intercept. So that's why Aiken wanted him. Because before, Van Brocklin was just a backup in Oliver's system. He had played like, you know, 
like 12 snaps or something like that. Now he is our go-to offensive attack, which helped us beat these Dons 34 to sevens. Um, hell yeah. Aaron, who is our sponsor today? Well, okay. Backstory. Got to make it fast. Adam, mm-hmm. something maybe uh, you didn't know. Maybe you did know. Just weren't talking about it because I understand. Maybe I forgot in a drug-fueled haze. Yeah. Uh, so, well, number one, you know, as I was saying earlier, the studio business has been booming around here lately. So mm-hmm. uh, me and the shamans have actually decided to expand we have moved our location. We're now over on the corner of 11th and Alder. And uh, it's really nice. we got some water views. Super beautiful. Ooh, nice. But because we expanded our space, I started doing something at the behest of the shamans. They saw a good, they saw a good idea. I ran with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been cloning Tex. I'm sorry, what? I've been, I've been cloning Tex. Tex Oliver? Yeah. Our uh, old coach? Okay. Yeah. But so anyway, uh, huh. that being said. 1947 technology. <laughs> you cloning a motherfucker. Yeah. That is. Well, the shamans I are really intrigued. handling the, the majority of it. But we're digressing from the point. Adam. Okay. Uh, we've changed the name. We're now called Radio Laboratory. And Radio I just want to announce that we've got a couple of new Westerns coming out. Uh, we've got Ernest Tubbs. Uh, he's oh. doing The Soldier's Last Letter. We got Johnny oh, Lee great. Willis, uh, Green yes. Glow, The Lilacs. Mm. And then we've got Tex Ritter. You'll have to pay. We have Tex Williams, Leaf Ooh. of Love. Oh. And then we got my boy, T. Texas Tyler with Guitar <laughs> Boogie Woogie. And so many Texas. I just want everybody to, uh, if they can, go pick up one of these records. We're extremely proud of them. Super good. The Texas are absolutely phenomenal at the craft of guitar, especially mm-hmm. whenever it's the first thing you teach them as they wake up from their cloning cycle. Cloning so, cycle. so it's so we're, being pretty. You're not going to break this down anymore. This 1947 cloning technology, because it seems well, like you really changed the world. Look, the shamans take care of that half. I take okay. care of the recording half. Uh, I do report back to them whenever a text is not doing what it's supposed to do, and they—I don't know. You know, the last time I was back there, it was kind of mm-hmm. weird. They had like a couple of those, like uh, you ever seen those Chris? You ever seen that Superman when he goes to the? Uh, when he goes to the Fortress of Solitude? Yes. It kind of looks like that. Interesting. Uh, that's the laboratory part. I'm the radio part, you see. I did so, see kind of a mutant Texan coming out of the barn, and he yeah. went straight up to me, and he just kept being like, kill me, kill me, <laughs> yeah. Yeehaw! Okay, yeah. So I Put me see, out of my misery. I could see how you would block that memory. Uh, yeah, no, I blocked sense. it pretty hard. I blocked it pretty hard. So anyway, that's the ad. Radio Laboratory. Oh. We're at 768 East 11th Avenue. Uh, you know, it's a great space. We got these new Westerns. Please come check them out. All right. Well, I got to say, uh, the the business sounds a bit horrifying and uh, bleak, like uh, some kind of Cronenbergian nightmare. Uh-huh. But 
You look happier than a dead pig in the sun. So I got to tell you. Well, it also yeah. helps that we started cultivating marijuana in the back of the studio as well. Ooh, yes so it that, has. That's keeping yes. me happy. It, yeah, we couldn't deal with this 1947 weak-ass shit. We need Dude, to get some primo bud. It's boo-boo. Let's be honest. It's boo-boo, you know? Like, I'm getting higher just off the shitty well water I'm drinking. Oh, my God. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oregon grabs easy tilt from Vandals, 34-7. That is right. Idaho was the next challenger. Uh, but Billy Williams shines for Idahoans. Coach Jamaican's Oregon Webfoots had a routine job to do on Hayward Field Saturday afternoon. They accomplished their mission in a convincing manner by rolling up an easy 34-7 victory over Idaho yep. before 8,300 loyal followers. Dixie Howell brought a great little passer to Eugene and Billy Williams and a game. Hard-fighting yeah. bunch of boys, but they definitely were not in Oregon's class. Friday afternoon, the Idaho team went in mass to see the spirit of West Point, but not even visions of Messrs. Blanchard and Davis did the Vandals any good against the Ducks. Okay, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird... <laughs> I, I don't know those famous people, but they are famous in 1947, so yep, there you have it. Yep, uh, We got party with them. Um, then came Washington State. This is uh, November 6th. This came, came out. I believe they're so-called the Indians, so trigger warning for that. But um, here we have it. Or, no, we don't. Oh, these games. They get uh, These papers keep getting smudged, you see. We have a bunch of new parakeets. And they're just shitting all over these things. We're trying to sell parakeets, too, now. Yeah. We may have too many businesses. It might be time to, like, assess which ones are bringing in money and which ones are I maybe mean, just Yeah, cloning. I think I've said five businesses <laughs> in this episode alone. Yeah. <laughs> cloning, I think, that could be something. Look, I mean, it could be our demise in the end, but, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I also just want to say, when you have as much money as we do, it's worth trying different things constantly because it doesn't matter if we lose any money because we're making more in a day than we're spending. That's just facts. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, uh, I think I lost. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Terrific weather can't stop decks. Cougars beat 12 to 6 for our fourth in a row. The weatherman, uh, so this is in Pullman on Rogers Field, the weatherman put on a dazzling display of talent for 13,000 homecoming spectators here Saturday afternoon before Oregon Webfoot's ground out a closed 12-6 decision over an inspired Washington State football team. This 25th meeting between the interstate rivals opened in a brilliant sunshine and on a turf that was slicked down after a week of rain and snow. Fuck, dude, you gonna review the game or are you gonna talk about goddamn weather? I'm done with this article. We won. Shit, dude, get to the point. Then came Stanford. Now, Stanford is usually a team we're gonna lose to, even in yeah. our, our good years. They, they just typically are a pretty decent team, even though, even from the very beginning, they've never really cared about football all that much. Even when they're decent, they don't. That's probably care why they're good. Is because they're not putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Because they're mm -hmm. like, who cares if we win or lose? Let's just go. I guess have fun. I get which is we got not to be here. The point of college football, like fuck no, it's about winning and making money for yeah. me and yeah, you. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and actually, we're already looking up ahead. Oh, or no, no. The article name is doo, 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 Five in a Row as Ducks Tip Stanford 21 to 6. Oregon State's up next, as is chance at title. Ooh, mm. that's an interesting one. Um, this happened in Palo Alto. Oregon's Webfoot's playing Saturday afternoon under weather conditions to their liking defeated a past-conscious Stanford football team before 12,000 spectators in this 90,000-seat bowl. See, that's wow. the problem, Stanford. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. By the victory, Oregon remained in the running for the Pacific Coast Conference Championship. That is right. So this was this was huge. I mean, this is we got to beat them Beavers because uh, it, it all came down to this. Um, and not only that, this last game, I'll tell you, the Civil War game was emotionally a very important one for the Ducks because, as you know, Bill Hayward, legendary Bill Hayward, you know, named the titular Hayward Field. You know, Mm -hmm. the Hayward Field is named after him. Would go on to coach Bill Bowerman, who would go on to coach Steve Prefontaine. So this is the most important legacy, really, in University of Oregon athletics. And in many cases, Northwest athletics. Truly a legend. Legendary Oregonian. Also... Uh, I believe spent many years in Medford, so one of the most oh. famous Medfordites. However, he's not doing well. He's not doing well at all. Oh, fuck. First of all, he no longer is actually, um, he had been forced into retirement. Get this, Aaron, you're going to love this. Hayward had been forced into retirement in 1940 by a new state law that required public employees age 65 or older to retire. Love Can it. Can you imagine how great that would be? State employees, you have to retire at 65. Maybe and what be hap- a lot better Do situation. you continue to get benefits and such from the state? No, you're fucking, you're fucking retired, bro. I think if you, you get ha- benefits, but you no longer can have your job because you're too old. You're 65. But hey, this is nice. That's As smart. a response to that, the student union, um, they hired him as a just a track coach. So he still had a job. He just wasn't, you know, didn't have as big of a job. Sure. Um, but so he had his employment track coach continued until 1946. But then a bad heart forced him actually to retire. Hence, wow. Hayward was unable to leave his home, even though. We dedicated this game to him. We said, win for Bill. Yes. It was on everybody's mind. All the students said, we have to win this game for Bill Hayward. Most legendary duck there's ever been to this point. Um, so this Civil War game was a really big one. It is on Hayward Field. It's all for them. Just before kickoff, during the playing of the national anthem, a low-flying airplane showered Hayward Field with orange beat Oregon pamphlets. So they literally, Oregon State hired a fucking pilot what to fly a- over Bro. during the national anthem to throw these things out. Gotta wow. actually love that move. That's pretty funny. But guess what, motherfucker? We beat them fourteen to six. Civil War victory, baby. A month later, at the age of seventy-nine, Bill Hayward died. Ugh. But he remembered. He was there. He still heard of this game. He wasn't there live, but 
he was honored. Uh, 44 years on the campus. He had he, he was a coach, a track coach. He had uh, coached numerous PCC National Olympic Track and Field Championships. Just truly one of the greatest it's ever been. Um, you could and, say and this, without him, we'd never have Nike. Uh, absolutely. I 100% think that. And then without Nike, the football success of the 2000s would have never happened. Right. Uh, and, and the night. Like, it's it's truly, I mean, if we it's, wanted, to, if we were Huskies, we would have just gone back and killed Hayward, Field, uh, Bill Hayward yeah. to stop this from ever happening. I would say it's fair to say that without him, football in general would not be what we see it as today. And we'd probably still just love boxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shitty boxing, man. And by Dead today, by the- I mean the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Fed by the ardor of 20,000 extremely partisan fans and the all-out efforts of the Oregon and Oregon State football teams, this tension, already wetted by a keen edge before the opening kickoff, mounted throughout the game. It rose to frenzied proportions during the third quarter when both teams scored and ebbed only slightly during the closing minutes of the game after Jim Aiken's crew, Jamaican, appeared certain of victory. Their first over the Beavers since 1940. We had not beaten them since 1940, wow. which is That's nuts. That's incredible. Factors adding to the mass expectancy, including all the usual trappings of an Oregon-OSC football duel. Among them, the well-drilled bands of both schools playing louder than any other uh, occasion. The unmatched color and clamor of both students' rooting sections. The entry of the Order of the O. The big wooden duck in front of the East Stands. And the release of the university live mascot duck. Puddles, whom Oregon State students had kidnapped, in keeping with tradition of the interschool rivalry, clever halftime stunts, and an impressive yeah. salute to the colors with the playing of our national anthem before the game. However, to many Oregon supporters, this was a special game, a tribute to Bill Hayward, grand old man of the university athletic history, a brilliant yellow and green sign. St- Uh, Top the North Stands emblazoned Oregon's dedication of the contest. Win for Bill. Earlier in the day, Hayward was honored with the announcement of his selection as Lane County's first citizen for 1948. Wow. By a statewide proclamation of Bill Hayward Day by Governor John Hall and by acclamation as a life member in the UO Alumni uh, Association. Colonel Bill was unable to attend either the Saturday morning fish fry held for him by the university alumni or the big game. The colonel, who began his career as football coach, track mentor, and athlete trainer at the Eugene School in 1904, was too ill to receive personally the acclaim according him. In addition to the psychological influences, the game itself was undoubtedly the greatest contributing factor to the crowd's excitement. Bright orange and black leaflets bearing the words Beat Organ fluttered into the field from a light plane passing overhead as the opening whistle blew. Fifteen minutes later, at the end of the first quarter, the ball rested at midfield. What a game, right? I mean, what just truly a game. Truly fantastic. What a man. Uh, what a man. What a legend. What a great honor he had uh, at the I, end of his life there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from One. all indications, the Webfoots are now ready to carry on their previous Civil War dominance, which now stands in their favor, 26 to 18. 
seven tied. So overall, fantastic game. Big plays from from Van Brocklin, from Liked, who liked, I mean, he also ends with a, a pretty amazing career. He was joined by Van Brocklin, Eklund, the all-PCC squad. The latter two remained with the many other talented Ducks for the 1948 season, which get ready for that, because that may end in a bowl game. Holy shit. Little, little spoiler alert. Legendary season. And all thanks to our handshake deal with Walt Disney. Amen. Amen. What a Amen. pervert. Hey, maybe we can clone him. <laughs> yeah. That's what he wants, right? Yeah. Oh, we also told him he should freeze his body so he yeah. dies. Well, yeah. That was us, too. Yeah. Aaron. We were like, it'll be rock hard, my guy. <laughs> and that was enough for him. <laughs> that was enough for that pervert. <laughs> Any final words on this most legendary season? No. I think we pretty much covered it. We nailed that it. That was a ride. I have to tell you, that was amazing. Absolutely. Like a Disneyland ride. Yeah. Like we were on the teacups or in Dumbo's sweet, sweet embrace. See you all next year. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. Take me back, baby. You all I'm craving for. Take me back, baby. Please let me have once more. The key's on my key ring that opens your front door.